Praise the Lord. Thank God that we can walk in the light. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Just raise your hands and praise Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we can walk in the light. We don't have to walk in darkness. You have created it so that we can walk in the light through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that in this service today, we will experience resurrection life. We will experience an infilling and an impartation of Jesus, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and that it will change us, Father. We will be completely and forever changed because Your Word continues to change us every day. I thank You, Lord, that every heart is ready to receive. I thank You, Lord, that every mind is open. Ears are ready to hear. I thank You, Father, that the Holy Spirit rests upon every listener today. Hallelujah. And reveals to them the things that they need to see by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Before you sit down... Uh, I think you should at least a pumper first or do something or say, I'm glad you're in church this morning. And then you may be seated. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I have a low table here this morning on purpose. It's not because I've suddenly grown shorter or something. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Before I get into the, into the message that I'm going to minister today, I just want to remind you of a message that I, I spoke some time ago. And I talked about a spirit of violence. And violence comes from the word to violate. And so then it means there's an aggression that is against will. And, uh, and I, I want to just remind you, I felt led of the Holy Spirit this morning just to remind you that uh, anything that happens in darkness, anything, anything that is uh, either manipulating your will tempting your will, causing your will to rise up against the will of God is a, is a violation or causes you to violate your inner man that is born again, that wants to do the will of God. And so if you, if you consider that anytime, anytime you're doing something against the will of God, the enemy can't come and bring violence against you because you'd immediately recognize what it is. So what he does is he deceives you and he manipulates you and he, and he gives you thoughts and ideas that uh, cause you to go against the will of God. And so he violates you. You permit him to, but he violates what God's called, called you to be, a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
Hallelujah. And so there's many, there are many people that blame God for many things in the world. And God's got nothing to do with it. Nothing. And they say, well, how, God, how can God permit something like that to happen? Well, because there's a will of man that permits it to happen. And he can't go against the will of, uh, will of man. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so we have the power of the Holy Spirit that can recognize anything that's happening to us where suddenly there is something that's happening in your will that is causing you to want to rebel against the will of God. And when you recognize that, you can immediately access the power of the Holy Spirit to give you what you need to say no. I do not give you entrance. I do not permit you. I do not allow you to come and cause, me, cause my will to go against the will of God. Hallelujah. And so, uh, grace is not the lack of punishment when you sin. Or grace is not the ability to sin without consequence. Grace is the power of God to say no to anything that raises its will against the will of God. That's what grace is. It's power available to you. It's power available to you. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful, that's something really wonderful to think about, you know. Hallelujah. We're doing a water baptism today. We're going to be doing water baptism for a couple of weeks. Um, it's a very powerful basic principle in the Word of God. Uh, people ask me many times, uh, if you're baptized once, can you get baptized again? And the answer is yes. Even though you baptize in water and you identify with the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in, as a condition of faith in your heart, you can exercise that condition of faith in your heart again. And I would say this, that the sec if you do it more than once, then the second time is a circumcision of the heart. And I'm not... I, I'm not going to preach on this. I have preached this and taught this in, in basic foundations. But baptism is, a, is about a circumcision of heart. It's about a change of your life. And it's about a devotion and a commitment to God. And if you get baptized the second time, then what you're saying is, Lord, I continue to recognize that your power is working in my life, circumcising my heart making a devotion available. Hallelujah. I, the, the reason, the reason um, so there's churches that have split over, the, over this doctrine of baptism. Do you know that? You know that the churches have split because one, some churches believe you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit one time. And then there's some churches that believe you baptize in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. You have to do it three times. And you have denominations, whole denominations that have been created because of this. <laughs> truly. Truly. And so, you know, if anybody's wanting to say, well, you know, where do you, where do you get the doctrine that you can be baptized more than once? I would like to say to you, where do you get a doctrine that says you only have to be baptized once? 
Is it just a tradition of men? Is it the way it's always been done in the church? Or can you make us... I have found oftentimes that when people have the, 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 um, the first time they get baptized, it's very often close to after they got saved. And so it's part of being saved. You identify with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And it's your faith that's exercised in that baptism. And I talked about that last week. Um, often I, I have found that people later on begin to discover what a powerful event that was and that they recognize that they didn't really understand spiritually what was happening at that time. And so um, certainly I know I wanted to get baptized in water when I was 12. My father, who was an Assemblies of God preacher, and I was a preacher's kid, and the Assemblies of God certainly believed in baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit one time. So I, really, it doesn't matter to me if there are other churches that want to baptize you three times underwater. I'm happy with that. I'm going to do it once. You know how many times you've got to baptize people to do it three times every time? Because this is not about, this is, this is about the condition of your heart. It's about your devotion to God. It's about connecting in faith with the Holy Spirit and uh, connecting in the, in the act of salvation and your faith being saved from all the stuff that's darkness, all the stuff that the world is, has presented to you. Baptizing, getting baptized in water is a, an identification and it's a thing of your, of your heart. So why should we... Why should we split churches about stuff like that? And if you have a different opinion and you have a different view of this in the Word of God, I'd, I say to you, why don't you go and study the Bible and find out for yourself whether you like what I'm saying or you don't. And then if you don't like what I'm saying, well, it's fine. Just get baptized once. If you like what I'm saying, then you can get baptized more than once. Hallelujah. If, the, if you read it in the Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you see in Luke chapter 3 verse 1, I'm going to just uh, draw a few distinctions with you, for you today. And uh, John's baptism was, and I'm going to just read it for you because it, it's just better out of the word of God. Luke 3 verse 1 says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother tetrarch of Eteria and the region of Trachonitis and Lysanias and tetrarch of Abilene, and wow, I don't know why I chose to read all of this, but <laughs> while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness, otherwise known as Zechariah, in the wilderness, and went into all of the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. 
So John the Baptist was not filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was not born again, but he was called by God to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And so he was, he was preaching something that would happen that is a ritual of the Old Testament. He came and he preached it and he said, it's, this is an act of repentance. Come into the water and be baptized. And so it's important for us to recognize that we as a people, when we get baptized, we are not we are not having the baptism of repentance that John the Baptist had. We already have repented in our heart. We have a repentance of the heart. We have a repentance um, where Jesus has come and changed the condition of our heart and we become a new creature. So we are not, when you get baptized in water, you're not being baptized under John's repentance or John's baptism. You are being baptized into the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The word baptize comes from uh, a Greek word which is called baptisma. Baptisma. Well, the Vines Expository Dictionary of the New Testament words con says it like this. Baptism consisting of the process of immersion, submersion, submersion and emergence so this is not a thing of when you when you're a little child and you get sprinkled with water this is a different experience where you are completely immersed and then you come out of the immersion which is the submersion submersion you come out of the water it's a complete submersion So, what, is, what are the requirements of being baptized? The only requirement to be baptized is to have a repentant heart and a living faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So I would like to read Acts chapter 8, verse 36, which says, Now as they went down the road, they, became, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, to, said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the only qualification to be baptized. I believe that Jesus Christ is is the Son of God. Hallelujah. So we are baptized when you get born again. You're baptized into the body of Christ, which means that when you get, when you get baptized, when you become a believer, you are automatically immersed into the body of Christ. It's a... I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member but many. So when you get born again, you are baptized into the body of Christ. So I'm just giving you a very broad 
uh, foundation because there's some other things that I need to do this morning just to make this whole process real to you. But when we talk about ecclesia and we talk about a ruling, governing church, as opposed to a congregation, which is people that congregate together to praise God, most of the time when you read about uh, the church in the New Testament, you will read about that the Greek word interpreted is ecclesia. It is not congregation. Because God didn't, didn't mean for the church to be baptized into the body of Christ just so that we can identify with other Christians. He baptized us into Jesus so that we could become one body and as one body, we could be like Jesus. And so becoming like Jesus means that when we walk through life as a body of Christ, united together, following God together, receiving the word of God together, we become a body where we recognize the gifts, the callings, and all of the things that are in the body, we recognize them. And as we recognize the gifts and the callings that are in the body, just as it said there, we are, we are not one but many members of one body. And I've already preached on this and I said, don't dislocate yourself or don't dismember yourself away from the body of Christ. Because the minute you do that, you lose authority, you lose power, you lose strength. And God never intended that. In fact, he intended for the body to be so, so tightly knit and connected together that they could fully, the body can fully represent Jesus on the earth. That was his intention. And, uh, and boy, the New Testament church and the Apostle Paul was certainly, certainly full of, of authority and governing in the spirit realm. So, I mean, I'm just going to name a few examples for you. When you're baptized into the body of Christ, into the ecclesia, the apostle Peter, he goes to pray and he comes out of prayer and there's a beggar who's wanting money and he looks at him and he, rec and he, and he recognizes this is a God moment and he says, money I don't have, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. That was a governing power of authority that was exercised over sickness, over disease, and over all of those things. That was a governing authority through Peter and John that were immediately accessible to the disciples. It's an amazing thing that uh, Peter is thrown into prison and the church of the Lord Jesus comes together and while they're in prison the church is praying for Peter and the next minute he's knocking on the door what happened well God used their prayers and the governing rulership of the day that governing rulership what it, what it did was it had Peter in prison and there was going to be a hearing the next day and the prayers of the saints caused an angel to come and release Peter out of prison. Come on. 
This is the power of God working through the church that overrides the government of the day and releases Christians into the order of God. Peter, the apostle Peter, is in another situation where God begins to move mightily upon the church, uh, the people that were connected and becoming saved, and they started to bring their tithes and their offerings, and, and they began to bring stuff and place it at the feet of the apostles. And some people had the wrong attitude in the heart. I want you to note that their action wasn't a sinful action, but their heart condition was a sinful condition. The man could not see what was happening on the outside, but the Holy Spirit could see what was going on on the inside. And they bring, legitimately they bring their money to the feet of the apostles. Legitimately. Their actions were right. Their heart attitude was wrong. Only the Holy Spirit could see that because their actions were legitimate. Come on now. And so when they come and they, Ananias and Sapphira, when they come and present their offerings to God in front of the feet of the apostle, the apostle immediately recognizes by the Holy Spirit because he could never know what actions had taken place privately, what conversations they had privately, what money they had kept privately, but on the outside they were deceiving the whole church. On the outside they were deceiving the whole church. On the inside they had an impure motive. That was on the outside deceiving the whole church. The, the apostle couldn't see this on the outside, but the Holy Spirit knew what was going on in the heart. And so the Holy Spirit calls them on it right then. And so they lie to the apostle in front of all the church. They lie. What happens? They both drop dead because they lied. Hallelujah. I believe it will stop raining by the time we have to do baptism. <laughs> so maybe I'll just preach and preach and preach until it stops raining. <laughs> so the condition of the heart of the people become quite important when Ecclesia is functioning. It doesn't matter when there's just a group of people that are gathering together. When you're a congregation, when you're congregating together, when you're just a group of people that come and they say, Hi, everybody, how are you doing? I'm a Christian, you're a Christian. What music do you listen to? Did you go to church this morning? Yeah, how was the service? Lacquer, everything's sweet. You know, it's a good thing. And uh, when you have a congregation, then it doesn't matter, really, because everybody's just wanting to have a glossy surface of Christianity. When you have an ecclesia, you have people that are so completely intent on representing Jesus on the earth that they begin to govern in the realm of the Spirit. You don't take over the government. Well, I don't see that in the New Testament. I don't see the apostle, any of the apostles doing this. Neither do I see the apostle Paul doing this. I don't see this in the New Testament where the church is, is designed to take over the governments of the administrative government of the order in the, in the world. I'm not saying that God can't raise up Daniels that can influence government. 
I certainly believe God can raise up a lot of people that can influence government the right way and have a strong voice. But, but the church effectively is designed to govern in the spirit realm. And so the Apostle Paul, of course, you know, he's just visiting a city and he's walking around. And then there's this woman that keeps following him around and saying, these are the men of the Most High God. And for three days she's following him around. And these are the men of the Most High God. These are the men of the Most High God. Well, you know, he recognizes immediately that there is something going on here. But he doesn't have a release by God to address it right there and then. This is the only explanation I can give is, is that he was waiting for the Holy Spirit. And so if you see what happens next to the Apostle Paul, he gets brought into, a, into, a, into the market and, uh, and then he gets brought in front of the governor and there's a whole lot of things that happen. And I mean, this is just my, my personal perspective of what happened with Paul is that is that God never permitted him to deal with that familiar spirit because it gave him three days to preach the word of God without, without him being harassed by, by businessmen and harassed by the government of the day. He had three days. Why only three days? Well, three, I don't know. You can, whatever. <laughs> but after three days, he says to this, this woman that's walking around with the familiar spirit, you know, he addresses the familiar spirit and says, come out of her. And the minute, she the minute he does that, she loses all ability to begin to recognize what's going on in people's lives. So she can't speak into, she can't tap into the, into the spirit realm of darkness that knows what's going on in people's lives because the spirits hang around where people are. So evil spirits hang around where people are and especially where people are sinning. So evil spirits know what people are doing. And so then when he addressed that familiar spirit that was familiar with everything that was going on in people's lives, which is why she could say these are the sons of the Most High God. It wasn't because she was born again and recognized the message and knew it in her heart. It's because she saw it as a through the eyes of the demon spirits that knew them as sons of the Most High God. Amen. Hallelujah. So when we talk about you being baptized into, into the body of Christ, the baptism into the body of Christ is not merely a baptism that is just for us to be able to congregate together. We are baptized into the body of Christ. We are one body so that we can be what Jesus was on the earth. And we are designed to function collectively as a body. And rule. And speak to demon spirits that harass people. And speak to people to be healed and get whole. Hallelujah. God has called us to do this. So, when you're baptized, the first baptism you get when you make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life is you are baptized into the body of Christ. 
When you are baptized into the body of Christ, the next thing that takes place as a result of your faith is that you get baptized into water and you identify with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The third thing that you get baptized into is you get baptized by the Holy Spirit, which is in Acts chapter 1 and 2, you can see where they are they, they were completely overtaken and filled with the Holy Spirit. And the filling up of the Holy Spirit is to speak in another language. Hallelujah. Again, there are, there are churches that have been split on this doctrine. And there are churches that are called by the name of the split. For example, if the name of the church is Baptist then you can be pretty sure they don't believe, contrary to their name, they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. They do believe that you are filled with the Holy Spirit when you get baptized into the body of Christ because, of course, you can't be baptized into the body of Christ without the Holy Spirit. So then you are baptized into the body and the Holy Spirit. But they don't believe that there is an alternative next experience, which is being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. The reason I'm telling you this is because uh, I want you to understand that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a free gift. It's a free gift from God. It's not something that you have to work for. It's not something you have to perform for. It's a free gift. Hallelujah. I'm not giving this iPad to Krobis because he might just take it. And it's, and it's worth uh, a lot of money. But if I was to give Krobis a gift, I'm not giving you this gift. <laughs> but I am giving him a gift. But if I was to give him a gift, he didn't have to perform anything for him to do it. I'm just presenting it to him and he, it's up to him and I'm holding on to it on purpose because I know he, once it's in his hands he could sell it <laughs> I mean before you know it it's on some kind of eBay or some kind of country or something and I've got a new iPad for sale you know <laughs> but the reason I'm holding on to it is because the Holy Spirit doesn't hold on to his free gift like this when he presents it to you he just wants you to take it he wants you to have it. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you. You can hold on to it for now. But it's not a gift. Yeah, he's looking for his phone. He wants to get on Gumtree. Hallelujah. I mean, this being filled with the Holy Spirit is not something that you have to work for. It's not something that you that is a, an experience that is uh, like difficult to receive, the Holy Spirit wants you to have an experience where He fills you. And when He fills you, you speak in other tongues. So, you know, I don't want us to be in a place, and I don't want you to be in a place, where you consider yourself if I have not been speaking in tongues, or if I have not been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, uh, I don't want you to, number one, feel inferior because other people have it and you don't. 
Number two, I don't want you to be in a, in a position where you feel like I've got to work for it. I've got to do something special to get it. You just have to receive it. The other thing is that when you, I don't want to focus on the language. I want to focus, I want you to focus on the, 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 the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens when people get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get, suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to come in their heart and they have, a, they have words that come into your mind. And so then you should speak it. If I'm trying to communicate with you without words, so you have to open your mouth and speak. Even though I might actually have something I really want to say to you and it's in my mind, if it doesn't go from my mind out of my mouth, then it's the block's here. The block's not here. Here's the block. Because here's what happens. When the Holy Spirit comes in on you, the minute He comes upon you and He wants you to speak in tongues, you're, and you get these sounds that want to come through your mind, because it's got to come through your mind to get to your mouth. And so these words come into your mind, and so you think, that can't be those words. It can't be that simple. It's that simple. Just as like I gave the gift to Hrobis. I didn't give it to you. <laughs> just like I gave the gift to Hrobis. You know, I mean, it's just that simple. He didn't have to work for it. He just took it. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like it's got to come through your mind. So just speak the words. And as you speak the words, the Holy Spirit fills you with himself. Why am I saying this? Because in the weeks to come, I expect that when you go down into the water and you come up out of the water, this is a very spiritual moment because you are identifying with the death of Jesus and you are identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. And it's a powerful moment because you are, you are saying, I recognize that I am, as I preached last week and I can't preach last week's message again, you are saying, I recognize that He has delivered me just as a dead person is to sin because sin can't work through a dead body. A dead body's dead. Sin can't work there. So when you die to Christ in the water, you come out in a new person. A new recreated person that is alive to God. And so when you identify with the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you should be putting your faith out there to receive everything that Jesus has for you. Which includes the free gift of the Holy Spirit operating freely in your life and filling your life. Hallelujah. I happen to know that most of the people that are getting baptized in water today are filled with the Holy Spirit. But if there is one of them that, that I don't know about that or not, then I want you to, uh, and I encourage you. And part of the reason we're doing uh, only a certain number every day over the next couple of weeks is just because it can take long. And... Uh, 
Well, John the Baptist lived in the desert, and he was probably a very strong man. And although I have somebody helping me, going to help me in the water, we do live in a different society today than, we, than he did then. And bearing in mind that also when he went and preached the baptism of repentance, uh, it is possible that he had disciples helping him because he had a lot of disciples. The Bible is not clear that he did it all by himself. Amen. Amen. So we just have a practical, we have a practical reality about this, that if it takes three minutes to baptize one person, then 10 people is potentially 30 minutes, 20 minutes is an hour, and so uh, 20 people is an hour. How many people have we got today? 28. So, I have a, I have a, uh, I have a, a wisdom execution by the Holy Spirit that it will shorten the three minutes. And we'll see how that works. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can I, thank you. So when we were when we were on the on the on the at Clarence on on the orientation week with the interns, the Lord gave me a very powerful uh, uh, demonstration of what happens to a Christian's life, and um, and I, I did it uh, in the dining room, and it was it was, it had a very powerful effect on all of us actually. And so I thought I would do that here, and the Holy Spirit seems good with it, so we're going to do that. Simon, please come up, if you don't mind. I used Simon there, so I'm just going to use him again. So Simon's going to lie on this table. Simon, I don't know what's underneath here, but I hope it's... <laughs> I didn't put this table up, so... Uh, okay, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. I think I'll use it as a pillow for you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, please don't sleep in front of all these people. <laughs> so I want you just to imagine for a moment, I want you to imagine with me that Simon is dying. His physical organs inside of his body, his liver, his kidneys, his heart, everything about Simon is dying. And he's got moments to live. He's just got moments to live. And if I was here to stand next to Simon, I would want to be very gentle with him, but I would want to be very spiritual with him. Right? But I would take Simon's hand and I would begin to ask Simon about his life. 
And I would speak to Simon and I'd say, Simon, you know, is Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? Yes, has the Holy Spirit in your heart? Now, once I've established this with Simon, I would like you to imagine that he's about to enter into heaven. He's about to meet Jesus. And so as, as he's about to meet Jesus, so this is not a healing thing now, this is something else. As he's about to meet Jesus, I would ask him a question. And I ask him a question and say, Simon, did you fulfill your assignment and did you do what Jesus asked you to do, what he birthed you in the earth to do? He gave you gifts. He gave you callings. He gave you relationships which he preordained, foreordained before the beginning of time because he knew you before you were even born. That's what the scripture says. And before, while you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. Before you were even in your mother's womb, he knew you. And he created paths for you to walk in. He divinely connected you with people. Simon, did you do all of that? Did you fulfill what God called you to fulfill? Because he's about to meet Jesus. He's about to leave this earth. And the next person he's talking to is God Almighty. Happens to be his Savior, but it's God Almighty. So, Simon, did you fulfill the things that God called you to fulfill? Now, I, you know, I don't know what your answer is. But you have been baptized into the body of the Lord Jesus. And you are in the body of Christ. And God has called you to an assignment and he's given you gifts and he's given you callings. And if you were Simon lying on your deathbed and someone was asking you these questions, what would your answer be? What would your answer be? Would your answer be yes? Or would your answer be, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened. You know, I didn't have enough money. I didn't, you know, I didn't meet the right people at the right time. You could, you could say a lot of things. But when you are meeting Jesus, the truth of your life is going to be laid bare. There's going to be no, there's going to be no hiding from the truth between you and Jesus. And so if I asked Simon if he had fulfilled all of his gifts and callings, he might, while I'm asking him, he might be thinking, you know, that time, that moment, that thing, I walked away from that relationship. I walked away from when God told me to sow that seed. When God told me to join that church. When God told me to do that thing. 
My pride stopped me. I got offended. Maybe people, maybe I felt like I should be doing something that the world system, that maybe even the church system placed a much greater emphasis on, on doing that. And so I decided that that's what I should become. None of that matters while he's on his deathbed. Right? None of it matters. Because when he gets to heaven, you can't redo your life. Come on. If you're in this condition, you can't redo your life. But he's still alive. He's still alive. Now what if the Holy Spirit comes upon me and says, Simon, it's not your time to die because God's giving you a second chance. And all of those things that you were called to, those assignments, those gifts, those callings, everything that God had called you to do, now's the time you've got to step into that. You can't go back to your old self, Simon. You can't go back there, Simon. You can't go back there because look where it brought you, Simon. You're on your deathbed. You, 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 you just, come on, Simon. It's time for you to step into the things that God has for you. Those things that he called you before your mother's womb. Those things that he assigned you at this stage to walk in. Those ancient paths that he called you to walk with. It's time. So now, the Holy Spirit comes upon me. And as it comes upon me, it fills Simon with a new sense of the Holy Spirit. And all of his organs begin to function normally. And so Simon is not going to die. Simon is going to get raised from the dead. And now, what does Simon do now? What does Simon do now? Thank you, Simon. We are going to go through a baptism of water where you are going to identify with the death of the Lord Jesus and His resurrection. And when you go through the water, each one of you that are going to get baptized, when you go through the water... You need to recognize this for your life, that you are saying, I'm dying to the stuff that brought me here. All of those things, all of those things, those cultural things, those emotional things, those financial things, those, those, all of the things that brought me to the place where I haven't fulfilled all the things that God wanted me to do. When I die to myself... In identification with the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm raised up in the newness of life. He empowers me. He graces me. He comes with His Holy Spirit to begin to give me a new lease in on life, a new energy, a new ability, a new power to say no to the things that kept me from my divine connections, my divine alignments, the, the gifts and the callings, the places that God called us to be. I'm now free to walk. 
in the things that God. So if people say to me, why would you baptize people a second time? This is the reason why. Because very often when they got baptized the first time, they were baptized into the, into the baptism that says, I identify with, with Jesus in his death and his resurrection, and I have a new, I am a new being. But they don't know what it means. Hallelujah. I have every scriptural, I have every scriptural backing to say this to you today. That Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit did not birth you into the earth by accident. It doesn't matter who, how you got here, what circumstances brought you into the earth. The minute you were procreated in a, in a womb, God breathed His Spirit into you because He wanted your spirit on the earth. And He didn't let your spirit come on the earth just for no reason. He brought your spirit to the earth with gifts, with callings, with an assignment, with ancient paths that you had. Because the Bible says those who he predestined, he for, those who he foreknew, he predestined to become the sons of God. That means he foreknew and he predestined. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I have, to, I have to spring a surprise on you. I've been speaking to my dad's cousin. And I had it in my heart that one of the other guest speakers that are going to be here for the Easter camp meeting is going to be my dad's cousin. He was an elder in my dad's church. He was an associate pastor in my dad's church. He's 78 years old now. He's living in Cape Town. And uh, he's been, we've been speaking on the phone over the last six months or eight months. And he has, there's been a purpose about him. And part of what he's been saying to me is, is John, there's, there's relationships we should have had that we haven't had. And I don't, I'm getting on in years and I recognize that my time of, is coming to a close. And I don't want whatever, don't want to have whatever God has called you and I to have had because of whatever to just to just go to nothing. These are his words. So he was just talking about us getting together and sharing the word and, and just having brotherly fellowship, spirit to spirit. So I had it on my heart to invite him to come and minister to us, camp meeting. So we're chatting, 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 and he's talking about the times that he had with my dad and stuff like that. Next minute he says, you know, John, you know that Smith Wigglesworth baptized your dad? I said, yes, I know that. He says, I've got a photograph of Smith Wigglesworth on my grandmother's uh, stoop veranda. I've got a photograph of Smith Wigglesworth on the veranda of our grandmother's house where he baptized your dad. You see, if we hadn't been talking and he hadn't been responding to, I didn't, because when, call, when I called him and I said, I feel in my heart you've got to come and minister and you come and, come and minister to us. 
He says, John, I'm no longer, I'm kind of retired from, from that. I'm no longer doing a lot of ministry and all that. I'm, you know, I'm 78. Well, Pastor Lynn knows I don't believe in retirement anyway. So when Andy comes and visits, I'll convince him that that's not what he should be doing. Hopefully. So I said, but that, I'm not calling you because, I'm not here because you're a pastor or you're an associate pastor. You're not. I know what spiritual man you are, Andy. From when I was a little boy, I knew you as a spiritual man, an upright man, a righteous man, a man that was called by God to stand by others to be in the ministry. I've always known that about Andy. And he's coming to minister to us. He's going to come and share something with us, but he's bringing his, the photograph with. It's because it's like, you know, it's the jigsaw puzzle thing. I talk about it, I talk about it, and it seems like it just was something that happened. But he's got a photograph. He's got a photograph. Wow. You talk about ancient paths, you talk about things. Here's what I was trying to say to you about Simon. Is when you come, when you have this moment of baptism, if you don't feel like you want to be baptized again, then I say to you that baptism that you did have, you must recognize the power of what you did do. Because God said He can redeem the time. He will only redeem the time if you believe that your time needs redeeming. And if you begin to see what your assignment was, where your alignment was, where the gifts and the callings are that God has hung on your life, when you begin to see that and you begin to step into that, then God says, now I can make up time. It doesn't matter how many years you've lost. Come on. Samson was never destined to, I mean, he, in what God called him to do wasn't supposed to be having his eyes gouged out and having him walk around in a, in a prison cell, so to speak. But when he cried out to God and he said, God, I allowed my calling to be taken away from me by the cutting of my hair. My strength was lost. I ask you to give me one more time for that anointing, that strength to come upon me so that I can fulfill my calling. And God said, I'll give you that time. And and Samson did more in one moment. He, wrote, he, he did more destruction to the enemies of Israel in one moment because all the leaders of the Philistines were all together. And he pulled that whole temple, that whole edifice down upon their heads and they all died. Yes, he died with him, but he died in assignment. He died fulfilling the call of God that was on his life. And so I want to say to those people that are going to get baptized in the weeks to come, you must recognize that when you have died and you are raised up with Jesus, He's raised you up with gifts, with callings, with power. Not to be a weak Christian that has no authority or no power over your habits or over the things that are holding you, those old things in the past that keep, keep making you trip over yourself all the time, trip over yourself, offenses, relationships, things, the things that happen Listen, things can happen between mothers and daughters that can keep them in bondage for all their lives. Fathers and sons that can be in bondage all of their lives. When you, when you are raised up in the newness of life, He gives you the power to have 
the ability to go and live in peace with all men as, men as far as is possible. He gives you the power to overcome your own self. And so people say to me, but then Pastor John, why is it that sometimes you, if you talk about people that get baptized in water, they still sin? When you're actually born again into a new man. The only reason you sin is because the enemy triggers you with temptation. He triggers your old self. Your mind, he triggers you. But the power of grace says, I repent and I keep living in the newness of life. I'm not going to let this sin keep me back. I'm not going to let this one thing hold me down. I'm going to live in the power of grace. His empowerment for me to live in the fullness of everything that God has for my life. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are destined to be a much more powerful people than we are. I want, to, I want to conclude with this, and I want to say that when Jesus poured out His Spirit on, the, on, the, on the, the church of the book of Acts, when He poured out His Spirit, and they just went into the streets, and they were speaking in di many different languages, and thousands of people got saved in one moment. I want to say to you that when, when that happened... That was just the beginning of what was supposed to keep happening. It wasn't a moment that it happened once. It was a moment where it is supposed to keep happening. Because the apostles Paul spoke and he said, you must keep be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You've got to be, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the more you be, be filled with the Holy Spirit, excuse my spit, it's anointed. <laughs> but, but if you're going to keep, if you keep be being filled with the Holy Spirit, when the devil comes to you, your mind with lies, the filling of the Holy Spirit fills you. Hallelujah. He gives you the strength. He gives you the strength. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Okay, Lord. You know, I, I've just been waiting because I have this in my heart. So I thought I, I didn't really, it's not something I really wanted to share like, uh, in, the, in, the, in this corporate setting, but on on thursday on thursday night early evening i had a 
I had a moment. I had a spiritual encounter. And um, I was lying on, on the bed just resting. And as I was resting, this voice began to speak to me. The first thing that happened was that this horrible sensation, this horrible feeling just came all over my body. This, this horrible, terrible, dark sensation just descended on my body. And this voice spoke to me and said, you're busy dying. Right now you're busy dying. And I thought, you know what? I can imagine this is what death would feel like. Because in that moment, it, it felt like I didn't, I didn't even know that my heart was beating. It felt like, wow. Okay. Okay. And so I thought, you know, in the, right in the beginning, I thought, this is, this is maybe an angel coming to tell me that I'm dying and I'm ready to enter into heaven. But this horrible feeling was on me, and it, I, didn't, I, I know that's not God. So I just spoke the name of Jesus, and that feeling left. And so then I just dozed again. And when I woke up the second time, I wasn't sleeping. I was just dozing. That same sensation was on my body, but much heavier this time. It was oppressive. It was like, and the voice said to me again, you're busy dying. And my next thought was, I'm going to try and get to Sharon so that I can say goodbye to her. Because that's how I felt. I felt like I was dying. Then I knew. But this is not the way I would die if I was going to be in the presence of God. This is not what I would, this is not the kind of experience I'd be happening. I'd, be, I'd have light, I'd have peace, I'd have joy. I, this is the whole thing. So what's happening to me right now? This is, this is demonic. And so I began to resist it in the name of Jesus. Oh, it just left instantly. Just gone. And so then I got up and I walked in into I walked up to where Sharon was sitting and I said, Baba, just want to tell you what happened to me because I want to testify immediately of the of the Holy Spirit, how he helped me in this situation. And I said to her, This is a sure sign. This is a sure sign that what we are doing in the church and what's happening in our ministry right now, that we are in the perfect will of God. Everything that we are doing is God ordained right now. You know, and so people, so, I mean, men of old, Lester Sumrall, for example, he went into a place and he was, he was sleeping in a bedroom. And uh, the next minute, his bed lifted up off the ground and it shifted to the middle of the room. And so he woke up because his bed was moving in the room. He woke up. And he recognized the devil. And he said, oh, it's only you. <laughs> this is a true story. He wrote it in his book. He said, oh, it's only you. Put it back. <laughs> Meaning the bed. He put his head on the pillow, went back to sleep, and his bed was back where it was in the morning. True story. 
It's really happened to him. The reason I'm trying to say this to you is that as Christians, you think that when you, you live a life as a Christian, that there are not demons that are coming to harass you, that come to your mind and try and tell you you're not saved, that come and try and tell you that there are other gods that you should rather worship, that come and tell you that you're not good enough, or come and tell you that you should be ashamed of yourself because you did something wrong, or they come and tell you all manner of different things, or come and tell you to do things that suddenly you realize, how did I get to do this thing? Because that's not me. When you get baptized in the water, it doesn't mean the demon spirits of all the world leave you alone. In fact, they become more determined to try and prevent you from becoming the ecclesia. Because our power is becoming the ecclesia, the governing body of the Lord Jesus that has power over demon spirits. It has power over sickness and disease. It has power over habits. It has power over all things that hold you back. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So those people that are going to get water baptized today, I'm going to do something now that I feel it's better to do it in here. I woke up this morning and I was asking the Lord and I was saying, Lord, how can... How can I do this? And this is the wisdom that he gave me to do. So those people that are going to get water baptized today, I'd like you to come and stand on the stage here, please. You'll just stand there. Let everybody stand over there. you guys to go and stand over there please because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if they see you or not they will see you later on the big screen if they stay to watch the water baptism but uh, I felt that this is the way that the Holy Spirit wanted me to lead to lead the service and to speak to you so I, I want to, de- to declare over you that as you get into the water, as you go down in the water and you come up again, you're going to encounter God. Every one of you, you're going to encounter God. You're going to have it some, it might come on you physically. You might see it physically on your, you might cry, you might laugh. You might not have none of that. It might just be very deep inside of you. But I know that you are going to encounter God. I know that something deep and spiritual is going to happen to you. I know some of you have been water baptized before. But I know that the reason you're here is because you are, you are wanting to have a, an identification with the power of resurrection life. Hallelujah. And so I'm speaking to you today and I'm declaring that you are going to have an encounter with God. And that if it doesn't happen in the water, you're going to go home 
And over the next few days, you are going to begin to have the Holy Spirit is going to draw you. He's going to draw you into things. I know that you are, I know that you are used to reading. So most of the people in the front here are, and some of the people in the back there are in our current my exchanges. And so I know that you're, you know what it's like to declare the word. We've been teaching you for more than a year. <laughs> and you guys have given your hearts to the Lord Jesus, given your lives to the Lord Jesus. And the fact that you're here in a second year is and it's a testament to the, the pulling of the Holy Spirit in your heart. So you are going to have encounters with God. Hallelujah. I want, to, I want to be clear about this. This is not a calling to work in the church as a full-time worker. This is a calling, an announcement to every spirit in the heavenlies, every demonic spirit and every angelic spirit. This is an announcement that you are dying and resurrecting in the newness of life. This is an announcement that you are going to walk in the power of grace. Hallelujah. And for those of you that need a refreshing of speaking in new languages, I pray that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And if you haven't had that before, today you're going to experience the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Some of you are more outgoing. Some of you are more reserved. This is not about your personality when you go in the water and you come out. This is just about you and God. And I don't, some the people are going to be watching you because they're going to witness you. They're going to witness what you're doing. But this has got nothing to do with anybody else. It's just you and God. It's got nothing to do even with me. This is just you and God. I'm just His messenger. I'm just His vehicle that He has said, this, this is the one to baptize you. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I know that a whole new level of spiritual life is going to open to you. I know that you're going to have encounters with God, not just today, but in days and weeks ahead that are going to just embolden you, empower you, strengthen you, direct you, guide you, lead you. It's going to cause you to have whole new levels of Encounters with God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Yeah, this is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. Hallelujah. This whole day is set up to be a holy moment for you. To encounter Him. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And so I want to say, if you're going to stand here, if you're going to sit here and you're going to witness them being baptized, there are sandwiches and tea for you, but I want you to recognize and understand that this is a very spiritual encounter. It's a very spiritual moment. Next week we're going to do the rest of this year's mics, the ones that are mic changes for this year. We're going to do them next week. It's just all got to do with time. And then we're going to do people after that. That, So, uh, you know, I just want to 
I just want you to know that this is just about my energy and about time and about fitting it in where we can. Will you work with me on this? Is this okay with you? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's go get changed, guys. Let's go get into the water. Hallelujah. Not all at once, one by one. <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. For the rest of you that are staying here, I want to just say, I may not see you again after this service because we're going to go and do a chariots ride later. And I fully expect our chariots, our chariots, our ride and our motorbikes today to be so filled with the Holy Spirit because of what's happening here today. I expect us to stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit the whole day. Hallelujah. And for those of you that I may not see again um, after the service, I just want to say I pray that the Holy Spirit blesses you. Lord Jesus blesses you. That His Holy Spirit rests upon you. His peace is upon you. And He makes all things new in your life. I pray that no weapon formed against you prospers. I pray in the name of Jesus that you're the ones that are blessed going out and blessed coming in. I pray in the name of Jesus that you yourself will have encounters with God this week ahead. There are nothing like you've ever had before because it's a deep touch of God in your heart. Hallelujah. Nothing else matters in this life but you and God. And then when you and God are straight, then you can walk in the fullness that God has for you. Hallelujah. So I'm likely to be wearing a cap and a gown because I don't want to get too sunburned. We're all going to be wearing gowns just so that we are uh, ordained look. That anybody that goes in the water and that comes out of the water, that everybody looks ordained look. We don't want, you know, we want people to feel comfortable as they're in the water and coming out of the water. I don't want them to feel like, oh, the whole world's watching me now. What do I look like? Amen. I'll see you or I won't see you. You'll see me. Bless you guys.